Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear would inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. recruit people. We want to train people. We want to develop. We want to place workers in places where they can continue to grow and thrive. You have been called on an assignment, on a heavenly assignment from heaven to fulfill one here on earth. Earth is not your home. This is not your final destination. Are you listening to me? All right. Hope you're getting that. So as I speak to many pastor friends, I find that there's a common concern among them mostly Uh, is that online services have become a convenient way or a convenient option for many folks to become disconnected from their local church. It's like many folk online, not the ones that are watching us now, not those guys. You guys are amazing. Not you guys. But there are folk that are using uh, online services to get the benefits of what the local church offers without the commitment, the obligation, or the accountability of the local church. Wow, so I could get this without doing any of that. Remember that the definition for the word devotion, somebody say devotion. Devotion Devotion means to love. It means excitement. It means enthusiasm for someone or something or for a cause. So when you say, I love my church, When you say, I love my church, you're saying, I am devoted to my church. When you say, I love my husband, you are saying you are devoted. You are enthusiastic. How many are, who's enthusiastic of your husbands here? Gladys, you better make some noise. (laughs) Happy, Happy anniversary to the Reese's. Lovebirds, lovebirds. I called them kissing back there. They were kissing back there. Like, y'all need to stop that being all nasty. Y'all too old for that. Stop. Rob was just kissing on Dr. Gladys. Y'all need to stop. He was sweating too. Listen, online services has a place. It has a purpose. And, um, but, but an online service or online services cannot fulfill what human touch can um, we need each other. I, I need you. You need me. We, we need each other. Um, when I, when I bumped into George, we needed each other, George. We needed each other in that moment. I needed you, my friend. And, and, and apparently he needed us. And that was our intimate time. And it happened in a park. We all need each other. We don't need to be separated and we don't need to, to, to find ways to escape. We need to come together, especially during times like these. I, I was at a Marshall's. I was at a Marshall's a few weeks back purchasing some items for our nursery as we're trying to get that ready. And I'm out there shopping and I'm trying to grab stuff and I'm a cart. I have time. I have to go do other stuff. And somebody said, I heard a voice. I heard all I heard was a voice at a distance said, Pastor Jay. And then when I looked, all I saw was hair and a mask just hovering around. And it was like one of the Adams family's kids. Like, was it Wednesday? Is that one with the one with the hair? And I'm like, well, who's that? And 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 it was uh, Tanisha. And <laughs> 
And I'm like, what are you doing here? And then I'm calling her out because her husband didn't know she was at Marshall. So, uh, so. <laughs> but listen, we got to talking. And can I tell you, can I tell you that we, we, kept, we kept inching and inching closer to each other until we embraced. And she couldn't contain the tears because we haven't seen each other in over a year or so, right? So listen, God, we need each other. You know, this pandemic was not the doing of, 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 um, of the church or of God. This is not his doing. There was a spirit, an enemy that's doing everything and everything to try to separate and keep us away from one another. So, so, so you know, uh, Tanisha and I, we were together and, um, and there at the Marshalls, we had a little church and, and, and it was a beautiful thing. There's a reason why the, the gravest disciplinary action that an incarcerated person can be given is solitary confinement. You want to punish someone. You want to do something horrible to them. Eliminate them and extract them from, from having touch and, and, and having affection and being close to some people. We were not designed to be silos. We were not designed to live in lonely islands. And yes, I get Mothers, I get it that there are times, Jessica, where you want to have a little alone time. I get it, especially in the bathroom, right? I get it. I, I get it. But living in isolation was never the design or the intention of our creator. From the moment he created the first man, the first woman, he wanted them to multiply, to multiply, to multiply. And then he added another word. He said, be fruitful. What we're doing today is that we're living busy, but there's no multiplication. Okay. I like to hear people go, oh, I can't do that, pastor. I can't be there, pastor. I can't do this, pastor. I'm too busy. Well, my question to you is, are you fruitful? Fruitful and busyness are two different things. All right. Many people are busy and they can't handle their family. And because they're busy and they can't handle family, then there is no fruitfulness as a as a as a circumstance for being busy. Let me stop because that's not even part of what I'm, what I'm doing. But, but are you getting that? Stop being busy and be fruitful. All right. <laughs> Thank you. That man is being fruitful. That man is multiplying. Hey, guys, let's welcome back the Finn family. Plus one. The Finn family, plus one. My man. George, George. My man. <laughs> that man walked in on Wednesday. Everybody got up and gave him a standing ovation. Like, my man, my man. We all need each other. We need, we need. We need, we need to give each other hope. We need to give each other strength. You know, in times when people are at their lowest, you don't run from God. You don't run from church. You run to God and you run to church. Why? Because you have a group, a community of brethren and sisters that come around and go, look, man, I know life is tough. I know things. Are, but listen, the Bible says that we are to cry with those that cry and we are to, to laugh with those that laugh. Additionally, I want to add this to our conversation today. I want to make an appeal to you all. We need your continued involvement. In order for us to continue to do the things that we need to do, we need your involvement. 
We need your help. We need you. We need you. Look at the person next to you and just say, we need you. And notice I said we, the church, need you. Here at Scarlet, no, we don't want you to just be an attendee. We, we don't just want you to, to be a, a long-time guest. We want you to jump on board. We want you to belong. We need you. There are many, many, many vacancies in God's work. And it's my heart as the lead pastor here of this church to get you on track to grow, to get you on track to mature. Um, and from the moment that you walk in through those doors, there's, there are things put in place. Uh, David in the back, David, David in the back and I are working on, on, on pathways of growth uh, to, to get people to, to assimilate and come on board and continue to grow on their journey. We want, we want people to continue to grow. So not that the church grows, but that the kingdom continues to grow. So whether you are walking in through that door, whether you are walking in through that door or you are online, we want to be able to have a path to growth. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. I want to read these three verses. I want to be wrapping things up very quickly. But Jesus, uh, Jesus traveled. Who traveled? Who traveled? The kids? The kids? Who traveled? The kids? Who traveled? Okay, Jesus traveled through all the towns and all the villages of that area, and he was teaching in the synagogues. Synagogues were places of worship um, for the Hebrew people, for the Jews, for the Jews. And uh, they were announced, and he was announcing the good news about the kingdom. What was his message? What was the message that he was announcing? What was he announcing? He went everywhere talking about the good news of the kingdom. That was it. It doesn't say that he was talking about hell. It wasn't saying there that he was talking about judgment. It wasn't, it doesn't say that he's talking about not even salvation. He was talking about the good news of the kingdom. Listen, when you talk about the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom is magnetic. You don't have to do anything else. People will be naturally and organically attracted to you. That's why people followed Jesus in droves because his message was a simple one. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's exciting. George, you fell asleep on me. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. George went to Merrick. When he saw the crowds, when he saw the, when he saw the, when he saw the, he had compassion. 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 Very good, Jeremiah compassion on them because they were what confused they were bewildered they were confused and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd and then he said to his what you got the characters here again he spoke to his disciples and he said the harvest is great there's another version that says that the harvest is plentiful but the workers but the workers, but the workers are few. 38. So pray to the Lord who was in charge of the harvest. Who's in charge of the harvest? 
not the pastor. Who's in charge of the harvest? It's not the church. Who's in charge of the harvest? It's not the systems and the things you put in place. Who's in charge of the harvest? God will never give you. God will never give you more than you can handle. Ever. This is why I have the wife I have. I just, that's it. I was, that was my limit. It's just a... And then he said, ask him to send what? To send what? What's the solution? There's a harvest. The harvest is there. The harvest is there. And he said, pray for what? More workers. What do we need? What do we need? Jesus said, what do we need? Jesus is talking to his disciples and he goes, guys, we need. Come on, the kids, what do we need? We need more workers. Jesus is moved in compassion. But again, he was not moved in compassion to his disciples. He was moved in compassion when he saw the crowd. Do you know that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we come to church and to church just to have an experience. There's no compassion for the crowd. And I'm talking about you. You are the disciples. But there is a crowd out there. There's a crowd out there that needs his compassion. And he said that he moved in his compassion because he saw that they were confused and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me tell you something about a shepherd. And a shepherd exists in the midst of a flock to guide, to direct, to nurture, to protect, to discipline, and to feed. As a pastor, as a pastor symbolically, I am a, a sort of a shepherd. My, my role is not to be your leader. No, I am not your leader. I am your feeder. I feed you. But the leader of this flock, his name is Jesus Christ. That's the leader. I am here as a shepherd to help guide, to help direct, to help nurture, protect, discipline, and feed. That's my role. Jesus said, there's a need for more people to help guide, to help nurture, to help protect others, to help feed others. We need more shepherd. We need more workers. Say more workers. Jesus said that the harvest is great, but the, but the workers, the laborers, another version says laborers, are few. It seems at first that when you hear Jesus propose this, that he is proposing a solution to the problem. Because he looks at the disciples and he says, but listen, pray. He said, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, I really feel that Jesus is saying more in that one line. In order to understand Jesus, in order to understand his teachings, you need to understand the methodology of Jesus and the way that he teaches We'll learn that there seems to always be something within the story. So men, where are my fellas at? Are you understanding when your wife is speaking to you and she's telling you something? She's actually speaking in code. She will never tell you exactly what she wants. She wants you to figure out the code. Figure it out. 
And it is our role to live our life trying to figure out the code. It's the Da Vinci code. It's the, it's the code every single time. I told Becky, just, just bait my mind, just say that. Why don't you say that? Well, we've been married 30 something years. I figure you should know that by now. And it's like, I don't, but Jesus, Jesus spoke in parables. Jesus spoke in hidden messages. I want to believe that there was a bit of sarcasm when Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, hey, pray for more workers. Jesus would often answer questions with a question. Jesus would often answer questions with a question. If anything gets under my skin is when my wife responds with a question to one of my questions. I'm like, you're not Jesus. Don't do that. Hey, baby, is it, is it, is it going to rain today? I don't know. Should we get an umbrella? Are you hungry? I don't know. Did we eat? Like, like, it's, everything is a mystery. Well, Jesus spoke that way. Jesus responded and Jesus spoke, often spoke that way. There were times that Jesus, instead of speaking or having, or, or having a response, would just hold silence, as he did with the adulterous woman. Jesus, what should we do with this woman? And the Bible says that he bowed and he just wrote stuff. Silence. There were times that he just wouldn't say anything. Women, just like sometimes your husband is holding silence. <laughs> Let me stop there because I know you don't like that one. Okay. There were other times where Jesus would respond and he'd be a bit abrasive and brash in the way he would respond. It would be almost like an irrelevant story. He would just tell stories that were irrelevant. But to understand the things of Jesus, you really have to know, you have to know Jesus to understand Jesus. So in this moment, Jesus is posing an opportunity more than Jesus is proposing a solution. It was more of an opportunity for the disciples versus a solution. Are you understanding that? When Jesus is telling his disciples to pray for more workers, pray for more workers, he's, he's proposing a opportunity. They're taking it as a solution. Telling his disciples to pray to God for more workers was like the equivalent of you're just, if you've ever um, pulled an air conditioner, um, a window unit from a window, You've ever done that before, guys? You know what that is like? Fellas know what it's like, right? And I know some of the ladies know what that's like. Because sometimes we got a man in the house, but there's not a man of the house. Okay. But but, but when you pull that that um air conditioner, that window unit, and your hands are trembling, because you forgot to unplug it. And now you have the unit in the hand and the darn thing is plugged and your wife is over there doing the dishes. And you go, hey, baby, baby, this would be lighter. This would be, baby, I can sure use some help. Jesus is saying to his disciples, pray, pray for more workers Pray for more workers while he's looking at the need. Jesus is proposing that 
hey, there's an opportunity. There's a need. There's an opportunity. Jesus is a rabbi. He's a teacher. So every moment with Jesus is a teachable moment. Just like parents. Parents, you're not in, you're not in your children's life to entertain them. You're not in your children's life to entertain them. You are in their life to train them in the way that they should go. That's what life is about as a parent is to train them in the way that they should go. But we're living in a time where many parents, all, all they want to do is to entertain and entertain and entertain. Use every moment Every year to be a teachable moment, a teachable moment. My kids couldn't stand every time I had a teachable moment. If it, we were changing a tire, son, let's talk about why a tire is round. I would go Morgan Freeman. <laughs> the tire is round. And we would talk. And, and where's Alexis? Where's my girl? Booby, girl, boo. Where's where she? She's in the back taking photos. My girl can change a tire. She can, she can change a tire. David can, but she can. <laughs> David be like, Lex, that's what I got to do. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you, David. I'm just messing with you. Uh, I love you sometimes. Okay. But we are to train the child in a way that the child should go. And many of us are, are, are not training, we're entertaining. So every moment with Jesus is a teachable moment. Just like you coming to church, it's not about you leaving here because you had a good feeling. Because you, you just got, you know, you got goosebumps and, oh, the church was, was amazing. No, what did you learn? What are you taking with you that's going to sustain you the rest of the week until we get back into our community? You got to take something out of this. But we come to church and our kids all have an iPad. Now they have little tablets, even parents. You think you are reading scripture with me? I know you're playing crazy or angry birds and stuff. I know stuff you're doing. I've had people in church, in person, and online at the same time. Talk about redundancy. Yes, because I'm responding to the people. Everything and all that we do in this ministry, in this church, it's as if someone's eternity depended on it. Did you hear that? Everything that we do, all that we all that we do and how we want to do things is as if a person's eternity depended on it. I shared with you two Sundays ago about the Gallup polls concerning the decline of church attendance, especially with the millennials, the Gen Z, and even the, the alpha generation. That's the Gallup polls, but I want you to know what Jesus says about his church. Jesus said about his church is that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against his church. So regardless of what the statistics... <laughs> Guys, be nice. Bullying is not nice. Regardless of what the statistics. 
regardless of what the polls say. Um, <laughs> Jesus said that the Hades, that Hades, the gates of Hades will not prevail against this church. Who's this church? Who's this church? Who's this church? Who's this church? So Jesus said, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends more workers. So today, I want to get the wheels turning here. I, I, I want us to move forward to continue to, be, to, to better serve our brothers, our sisters. As people walk in through the door, we see an opportunity. We, we see an opportunity. How, how we serve each other horizontally ultimately gives God the vertical glory. How we serve each other horizontally then gives God what? Glory. And it does it vertically. So what we do here, what um, Adrian does with the worship, what um, George does in the parking lot, everything that we do, everything that we do, we do here not to be seen, not to be praised, not for, for your accolades. No, we do it so that God gets the glory. Get it? Wednesday after Wednesday, I get to hear the stories of men that say, I walked in through that door and I felt nothing. I received nothing but love. I received love from the men, from the women, from the children. It was too much. And I'm coming back because that's what we need. The world needs God's love. And you're not on earth to just live on vacation. You're here on assignment to give God's love to a hurting world. Now, I don't, I don't want to be my dad's church. My father was a pastor for over 30 years. I don't want to be his church. Loved his church. I was part of that church. I don't want to be his church. I don't want to be your mom's church. I don't want to be mom's church. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be the church that sings specific songs so that my so that I could fill my cultural quota. Pastor sing some of these songs. You know the song, right? You remember that song with the conga and the boom and the boom and the No, I'm not gonna sing that song. You fill your cultural quota during your own time. But when we come under this roof, the kingdom, the kingdom is the aim. Becky knows this. Becky knows this. On every bike ride, on every walk, do you know what music I listen to? I don't listen to salsa. I don't listen to merengue. I listen, I listen to Indian music. I do. I listen to Indian I don't understand anything that they say. The chimes and the songs and I'm riding and I'm like, oh. it's, it's, I, it's not my cultural uh, quota. It's my preference. But when I come to this place, there's an aim, there's a purpose, there's an intentionality in what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to feel more Puerto Rican. I'm here to be kingdom. Did you get that? I, I don't, I, you got it? You got it, okay. Pastor, we need to do some gospel. No, I'm not. No, we don't. I'm not going to do it. Pastor, we need to, we need to you, know, you know, play some banjo music. I ain't going to do it. Is it banjo music? Is that what you call it, Christian? <laughs> you know, don't, 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 don't,
You know you go crazy every time you hear some spoons at home. <laughs> you know, come on, come on. <laughs> you took them to the worship. You took them to the worship concert on Friday. Listen, no, no, all, all jokes aside, but there are times that we we get it on. This is why this is why we have black church, we have white church, Puerto Rican church, Mexican church, and down the line, we everybody is in, and Satan is laughing all the way all the way at our own segregation. And I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a church that, sing, that sings songs or, 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 or just continues to be a cultural incubator. I'm Puerto Rican. I was born in Puerto Rico. I, I, I speak fluent something fluent something but listen when I when I see my brother George it's for the one so I can I can grab I can grab my culture my preference and put it in the back pocket and then I can I put on kingdom I put on kingdom and 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 and, and I make because it's for the one it's for the one I don't want to have systems in place and rituals in in our church that excludes people because they feel unworthy. Because they're not members or they don't give an offering or a tithe. That they don't feel like I can't belong because I don't feel I don't feel the requirements. I don't want to have those systems in place. We want to serve. We want to have communion with people and invite everyone to the table. Everyone to the table. Come on, let's break bread together. Let's be devoted to that. I want us to be a kingdom church, a place of many nations, a place of many tongues, a, a, a place of many colors. Where's Mari? Where's Tamara? Ma Mari? Tamara? Tamara? There's nobody coming in right now, Tamara. We're literally about to wrap up. But, but come here, Tamara. Tamara, stand right here. And Tamara and I, we were in a meeting on Friday, and we were talking to the leadership here. And, and you know, for almost, for almost an hour plus, you know, we talked about, which was a little frustrating, we talked about skin color. Then we, we just got into talking about skin color. And I'm so tired of having that conversation. That's the dumbest attack of the enemy. Where we're black, where we're white, where we're brown, where we're yellow. We have run, we've run out of colors. Seriously, pretty soon it's burgundy and, and rose and pink and fuchsia and all. But, but we, we, we spent so much time talking about color and color was important to her. And, 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 and we got into this conversation and, and people are hurt because of color and other people are standoffish because of color. And, and I don't want us to be that church. I don't want us to be that church. Christian said one line that was great. Christian said, when I come to this church as a, as a white dude, I tend to be the minority here. However, when I come here, I forget what I am. Thank you. Thank you, Tamara. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I, want us, I want us to be that church where, where that, that's, that's a footnote. I mean, that, that's, that has, doesn't matter. Serving others in hospitality isn't an idea of Western hotel chains and restaurants. And it's not, no, serving others is a kingdom principle of Jesus, of the kingdom. Putting others before us and putting people above us. You heard 
Douglas talk about meekness. What's meekness say? Meekness says that though I have a doctor's degree, I still know how to wipe a, a window. I still know how to clean the toilet. It don't mean anything. That's meekness knows. I know that I can do more. I have the power to do more, but I submit myself for the love and for the gain of someone else. When the Bible says that a husband is to submit to his wife and his wife submits to her, is that yes, you can perhaps overtake each other in whatever area. But you choose to make a decision to say, no, I will be meek, I submit. Paul said that we are to have the attitude of Jesus. An attitude is a subtle way of thinking, a feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflective in a person's behavior. That's an attitude. That's an attitude. You know when you tell your kids, you got, you got, well, you better turn that attitude down. Moms, you got attitude? You, you, know what, you know what I'm talking about, especially when you're driving, you got attitude? Kids, attitude? Yeah. Jesus settled in his heart that though I am the son of God, I am the son of the most high, in the presence of my brothers and my sisters, I will make myself their servant to the point of death. So when Jesus led people, he, he undressed, derobed himself of all of that glory, wrapped it around his waist, was on his knees. He grabs a pitcher of water and he washes the feet of the people that he was leading. That's a complete contrast of what we do in 2021, where the congregation all serves the pastor, the bishop, the 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 the, the, the bishop, the, who else is in line? The the apostle, the prophet, and on and on and on and on and on. Get your butt on the floor and start serving the people. I said butt, yes, I'm sorry. Five-star hospitality is what this world, the highest that this world can offer as their best. But as Christians, as Christians, we are held to a higher standard than just five stars. We are to lay our lives for our brothers. We are to lay our lives for our sisters. We are to lay our lives for one another. As Jesus is sharing the good news of the kingdom wherever he went, he did so as an ambassador, as a dignitary of a foreign place. Jesus' service to the people was intertwined with humility and meekness. It was also, it, it also was wrapped up in compassion. And sometimes our American freedom can sometimes rob us of our neighborly hospitality and genuine care for others. Our hearts have grown cold in our country. And I'm speaking about our country in America. Sometimes degrees or status, careers, prosperity, influence, popularity can get in the way of the kingdom principle of service. In the kingdom of heaven, there are no white collar roles. You are just a servant. Jesus was a servant, so are you. Everyone is a worker. Everyone is a laborer. Jesus told his disciples, laborer, is required if you want to yield or harvest. Sweat, getting your hands dirty, working hard is the way of the kingdom. 
pastor isn't better than anybody. You're not better than a pastor. We're all in this thing together. Something needs to get done. Grab a vacuum. Where's um? Uh, I told Emily. Emily was trying to find entertainment for the cookout for the adults. We have bouncy. We have bouncy houses for the kids. Emmy, what am I? What did I say? Emmy, Emily, it's all the same. Emmy, whatever. So, so, and and she goes. And for the adults, we're gonna get some games. No, for the adults, we're gonna get them a vacuum and a mop. Have some fun. Learn how to dance some salsa. But a laborer works. Listen to me. A laborer works for one another. A laborer works for someone else. A laborer has a boss. A laborer makes sure that another person's preference is met and not theirs. Someone else is the boss. The worker is the muscle, but he is not the owner. And all of us here have an owner. We have a boss. And all of us are to be the muscle of the kingdom. Friends, we need you. You're needed. Listen, we need each other. There's a harvest out there. And Jesus is saying, do you want to pray for more workers? Or are you the workers? Did you get the difference? Do you want to pray for workers or are you the workers? And he is telling them, pray for more workers. Oh yeah, maybe we should pray for more workers. Sarcasm at its best. He's telling them, there is a need, there is an opportunity. You are called to be a laborer, not an, not an attendee. We need help. There are many vacancies. No one, absolutely no one is exempt from being a worker. No one, no one, no one. There is something for everybody. Listen, there is something for everybody to do. And, and everything that we do contributes to the betterment for the one. Everything. Whether it's cleaning a toilet, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's singing, whether it's what we do online, everything that we do is for the betterment of another. There are droves of people that are waiting to turn their lives around, that are hurting, that are broken, but we can't do it alone. We need help. We need laborers. Will you work? Will you work or will you pray is my question. This is how I end this today. Stand to your feet. Will you pray or will you work? Will you pray or will you work? Thank you.